0: I feel the spirit of the Lord in this place and I ask you to open yourself up in these next few minutes as Pastor Walker comes to break the bread of life to us today. Open yourself up to receive. Put yourself in a posture to receive. Amen. Amen. Pastor Walker come and bless us this morning. God bless you, brother. Everybody doing? good. Can everybody hear my mic? I, step, I stepped on it before church, Chris. I'm sorry. I almost broke it. I was making sure that it still worked. Um, my, my big, what? What did you say? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. All right. Well, I'm very excited uh, to, to share with you guys this morning. Uh, we, as Bradley had mentioned, are having a service of baptism on the 31st, and so the past couple weeks we've been Well, really just starting last week, we started preaching about baptism, and we're going to be doing so for the next couple weeks until that time period. Um, If you are in this place and you have not been baptized, raise your hand, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, come on. No, but if you're in this place and you haven't been baptized, um, or maybe you have been baptized, a couple people I've talked to, they were like, well, you know, I was baptized once when I was like five years old. I kind of remember it. They just told me it was something I should do. You know, if that was you, maybe you were baptized when you were really young, but it didn't really have any special meaning to you. Um, you know, we believe that this is a great time for you either to be baptized for the first time or to be rebaptized again, because uh, baptism is just a, a really wonderful thing. And Bradley talked about last week how it's a sacrament of the church. Um, but I want to talk about kind of what baptism does for the, us, and, and if we, you are in this place and you have been baptized before and you have been walking with the Lord, this is still going to be a sermon for you. I believe that the Lord is going to bring to remembrance um, the, the joy of our salvation, as, as the Bible would put it. And So uh, with that being said, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 3, so if you have your Bibles, please turn there, Matthew chapter 3. Um, Bible apps are acceptable as well. It will It will be on the screen. One of these Sundays I'm just not going to put it on the screen, so everybody's forced to actually bring their Bibles. But um, Matthew chapter three, we're going to be starting in verse 13, verse 13. And I'm hoping that it's, I'm hoping that it's on the slides there, Chris is, is, did, did we ever put this, the yep, there it is. perfect, perfect. Matthew chapter three, verse 13. Let's pray. We'll go ahead and hop right in, uh, because it's got a lot to say. So let's let's read, and then we'll pray. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried talking him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After this baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. We sang about that this morning, right? The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Let's pray, and then we're going to hop into it. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much. That's powerful, Lord. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, piercing our hearts, God. Divide divide the word of truth this morning in a way, Lord, that brings us to repentance. Lord, Lord, draw us closer to your heart. Draw us closer to who you are. And and Lord, just just lead us and guide us in the way that you want us to go. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Uh, Lord, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So my sermon this morning is entitled very simply, Baptism and Identity. That word, identity. Identity. Many of you in here, uh, if I asked you, you'd say that our country has an identity problem, right? Our world has an identity problem. There's a lot of issues going on right now on how people choose to identify themselves, right? There's a lot of identity issues in our culture nowadays, whether that is uh, gender issues, right? Uh, People uh, having confusion about what their identity is, who they are, uh, things of that nature, Um, Whether it's politics, people having confusion, they're selling their soul to partisan politics and putting all of their identity into that one thing. Uh, I think a a bigger culprit than even gender or politics is putting our identity in possessions or culture. Putting our identity in what we have, or who or, or, or the kind of uh, money that we have, the kind of possessions that we have, that's a very, very big place where people will place their identity. Uh, people will place their identity in their work. They will place their identity in, in all sorts of things. And, and as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, uh, those are the things that, we, that the foolish man builds his house on. Jesus, for those of you who haven't read it, he gives a parable and he tells two things. He says, if you take my teachings that I have taught to you and you apply these to your life, you're like the smart man who builds his house on a solid, firm foundation. But if you deny these teachings, if you don't follow what I've said, you're like the foolish man who builds the house on a, on a, uh, a sandy, a, a totally cracked, uh, rotten foundation. That house, when the, when the storms come, whenever the winds come, when the rains come, when the, when the NATOs come, that house will be blown down. That house will be blown down. And what I fear and what I see all around our culture is that we place our identity in so many things that are foolish, so many things that are sinking sand, so many things that are temporal. I listened to a sermon this past week and, and the pastor, pastor Matt Chandler said this, that everything that you own at some point in your life will end up in two places, a garage sale or a landfill. It will. Either in a garage sale or a landfill. Oh, well that antique from, you know, my great-great-grandma. Well, you know what? There's going to come along a long day whenever your grandson is going to inherit that and he doesn't care at all about that quilt from great-grandma. And it's going to end up in a garage sale and it's gone, right? But we put so much of our identity, who we are in these things. And our world is lost. Our world is lost. It's one thing if you don't know where you are, right? It's one thing if you don't know um, maybe the path that you should go down. It's one thing to know all those things, or to have those things, but it's another thing to not know who you are, to not know who you are in your essence, to not know who you are in your being. We have an identity crisis. And don't we see the results of that all over our culture? Don't we see the results of that with, with, with suicide rates? Don't we see the results of that with drug use rates? Don't we see the, use, uh, the results of that with... with um, just murder rates and the, the 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 kinds of things that are happening in our world and, and not to say those things haven't always been happening. They have. Humanity has constantly had an identity problem from the beginning, but we see those things in our culture nowadays because people place their faith in false idols. God, show us our false idols. Show us the things that we put our faith in that are futile and are going nowhere. They're going nowhere. We place our faith in things that are shifting, saying we have an identity crisis. We have an identity crisis. But what we see here in the scripture we read today, Jesus did not have an identity crisis. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly where he came from and he knew exactly where he was going. Jesus knew exactly who he was In the scripture here today, we read the final scripture there of what happened after Jesus was baptized. A voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Brings me great joy. I want to submit to you this morning that in baptism, we receive our identity. We receive a new identity. Pastor Bradley talked about it last week, how we are born again. We're born again. That once upon a time... You were born in this world, a physical birth from your mother. And you were born into this world, and you are who you are now. But in God, in Christ, we are a new creation, and we have the ability to be born again. We receive a new life, we receive a a new being, that we are no longer the same person, but we are a new person. We are transformed, we are transfigured. And and what I want to submit to you this morning is that we don't just have a, a new name or a new status in heaven, but we have a new identity. We have a new identity in Christ, that we are the children of God. Say amen, somebody. You are a child of God. If you are in this place and you have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, He takes you from being a sinner to being a saint, from being a child of this world to being a child of God. That is what we are. That is what we are. And baptism gives us this identity. When we are baptized, we receive our new identity. The Bible says here, this is my dearly beloved son. This is my dearly beloved son. Well, you might be saying, Walker, that's a story about Jesus, not my story. That's a story about Jesus. And Jesus, it was Jesus. Of course God would say that about Jesus because he was sinless, he was perfect, he, he had never messed up. Of course God would say, that's my dearly beloved son because Jesus never did anything that would make him say otherwise. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the places I've been. You don't know the things I've said, the things that I have done to other people. You don't know those things, Walker. God would never say that about me. And maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe you've been down those paths. Maybe you've been down those things. But the great thing about this, and this is why I said that if you've been, if you've been baptized and you've been living with the Word for a while, this is, this is a message for you this morning because this is the essence of the gospel, guys. It's not about what we have done. It's not about who we are. It's not about the amount of good works, the amount of good things that we've done, because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God is what the Bible says, that every single person in this place, every single person in this world has sinned. We've all drifted away. We've all walked in rebellion against God. But God was so rich in mercy, the Bible says, that he would not leave us where we were. He came down from heaven, provided an atonement, a sacrifice for our sins, in and through himself in the blood of Jesus That we might know Him. That we might come into relationship with Him. That we might come into into trust and faith in Him. And that whenever we believe in Jesus, whenever we place our trust in Jesus, when we say, Jesus, I want to follow You. I surrender my life to You. We go from being in the old man to now becoming a new person, a new creation. That our life is not not the same. We're not, uh, what do you want to say, uh, we are not bound to the things of the past, but now we are—we are open to the things of the future. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. I got to turn here. This wasn't part of my scripture, but I was reading this earlier this week. A little sword drill here, real quick. Got to turn here. I love this scripture, man. This is—this is good stuff. Let me turn there, maybe. Oh, oh, there was. Yep. Maybe somebody else will beat me. Mike. Except for you guys didn't know what the scripture was going to be. <laughs> Micah 7, 18. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Mm. He delights in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show your, un, you will show your faithfulness in unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago. Love that scripture. Love that scripture. And that was a scripture that was written uh, hundreds of years before Christ even came. It was a prophecy. It was, it was a foretelling of what God would do in and through Jesus Christ. And so very simply put, what it says there... It's very straightforward that God pardons our guilt. He pardons our sins. That there might be, You might be in this place and maybe you don't know Jesus or you do know Jesus and you've walked away and you're having some trouble with some guilt and your shame in life. And what God wants to tell you this morning is this, is that he has got it covered that he's got it covered, that he has washed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He has washed us clean. He has washed us clean, and now we have the opportunity to be united with Christ. We have the opportunity to be united with Christ. I know I just went on a little tangent there about salvation, but that's very important. I mean, they're literally, it's literally interconnected with baptism. There would be no reason for you to be baptized if you, if you didn't get saved, you know? Because we are saved, because we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, we are now united with Christ. United. We are united with Him. Bradley read the scripture last week, but it says in Galatians that it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. It's no longer Walker in this body. Yes, I'm walking around moving, but it is Christ in me. And that is what happens as a believer that it's no longer us in our in our uh human person anymore, but it is us with Christ in us. Christ is in us and we are united with him. And so one thing I wrote down here this morning, I want to be very clear about this is that because we are united with Christ, what God did for Jesus and what God will do through Jesus is now applicable to our life and we inherit the promises of God through Christ. His life becomes our life. His power now becomes our power. His righteousness now becomes our righteousness. His peace becomes our peace. His promises become our promises. And His identity becomes our identity that it's not anything that we have of our own accord. It's not our strength. It's not our peace. It's not some 10-step formula to happiness that gets us where we want to go, but it is Jesus, in and through the life, the death, the resurrection, what he did for us here on earth, that we are now participating in that. We are united in that via the Holy Spirit that now lives in us, and the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all the things that Jesus showed. How many if you could have a little bit more peace in your life? I could. Those things are now available to us. We are united with Christ. And the promises of God that were fulfilled in Christ now are on us. They're now on us. We are clothed in His righteousness, the Bible says. It's like like whenever uh, somebody gets traded from one team to another, they swap jerseys. It may be a very simple analogy, but it's powerful. You go from having this, reason, you take it off, and now we've put on the new. We've put on the new. When we are united with Christ, when we are saved, we are, are, are partnered with him. He becomes our life. And like I said, his promises become ours. His identity becomes ours. So to wrap this back around to baptism... When Jesus goes to be baptized, he is dunked in the water. And he comes back up. And God the Father says, this is my dearly beloved son. He gives me great joy. And what I want to tell, I want to speak to those who are going to get baptized for a moment. I want to speak to those who have been baptized and maybe have forgotten this simple truth. Is that when we go into that water, the old man dies. And whenever we come back up, God the Father looks at us and says, This, this is my dearly, dearly beloved child. This is my child who brings me great joy. That is God's position towards you. That is God's position towards you. And somebody needs to hear that this morning because even though you've come to church, even though you've, you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus once upon a time, you still continue to live and walk in a certain way and you feel bad about that. You feel guilty about that and you feel like God, maybe he's a little angry at you. Maybe he's a little tested towards you. But what God looks at you, he does not see your faults. He does not see your sin. He does not see your shame, but he sees the blood of Jesus that covers you. He sees his righteousness it's not yours because once again it's nothing that we can do it's not, it's not there's no amount of, there's not a, a laundry list long enough of the things that we could do to please God to, to earn our way to heaven you ever ask somebody hey are you going to heaven they say well I'm a pretty good person That doesn't cut it. The Bible says that our good works are like filthy rags unto God because it's nothing that we could do that, that, that creates a list long enough. There was only ever one perfect man, and his name was Jesus. And when we are united with him, his perfection, his righteousness is now ours. And when God sees us, he sees Jesus. When God sees us, he sees his spirit upon us, and he says... This is my dearly beloved child. Dearly beloved child. And someone needs to hear that this morning. Dearly loved. Maybe you've had some family issues. Maybe you've had some issues where your parents were not very good to you. Maybe you've had some issues where you felt like you have not received the love and life that you deserve. But the love that comes from God, the Bible says in Micah, we just read, is an unfailing love. An unfailing love. Human love is failing. There are people that will let you down, like Mephibosheth, will drop you. There's people that will let you go. People that will do horrible things to you, stab you behind the back. But God will never let you down. God will never fail you. It's an unfailing Love, and so when God looks at you, it's not like, well, I, you know, you're a sinner. I guess I have to like you because of what Jesus did. No, hey, the Bible says you're dearly loved, dearly loved for the lo- the love that a father looks upon their child, an unfailing love. The Bible calls it a little Greek lesson for you, agape love, agape love. There's different form the word. We have one word love. You know, like, oh, I love those shoes or. I love you, baby, right? There's different ways that we use the word love. But in the Greek, the the love between a brother is phileo. It's where you get the book of uh, Philippians or Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. There you go, a little word lesson for you today. Phileo, that is the love between a brother, the city of brotherly love, phileo. But the the Bible says that God loves us with a different kind of love, an otherworldly kind of love, an unfailing love, an unconditional love, an agape love, a love a love that is only shown in and through Jesus on the cross, a love that supersedes boundaries, a love that supersedes conditions. He looks at us and says, this is my dearly loved child. This is my child. Brings me great joy. He brings me great joy. And so we are baptized into a new identity. And what is that identity? You are a son or a daughter of God. As a daughter of God, it does not matter what the enemy whispers to you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what your past says about you. It does not matter what has happened. As a daughter of God, you are made fresh. And you are made anew. You are his child. As a son of God, it does not matter if you feel inadequate. It doesn't matter if you make mistakes. It doesn't matter if you trip, if you stumble, if you fall. You are covered. And he looks and you said, this is my son. And that... Church is the truest thing about us. Our identity must not and cannot be found in the things of this world. Our identity cannot be found in what possessions we do or don't have. Our identity is not found in the title that we maybe or maybe not hold at work. Our title is not found even on whether or not that we have children or that we're married. Our title is not found in that. But the truest thing about you is that you are a son or a daughter of God. That is the truest thing about you. That is who you are in your very being, in your essence, when everything is stripped away, when all of your possessions end up in a garage sale or a landfill. That is who you are. And don't let the enemy allow you to forget it. Because like I said, we can get in this rhythm in church where we come and we get to the altar and we surrender everything to God, but, but the world has a way of, of, of tripping us up, right? The Bible says the sins that so easily beget us, right? The, the things that trip us up. And we have a way of falling back into condemnation. But the Bible says, the Bible, not Walker, the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, that anyone that is in Christ no longer has condemnation. No condemnation for anybody who's in Christ Jesus. None. And so do not let the enemy whisper to you, well, are you really saved? Are, does God really love you? No, He does. He does love you. We sang about this morning. He's madly in love with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to grow close to you. He wants to walk with you just like he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He wants to walk with you daily. That's what God desires because you are his child. You are his child. And so to uh, kind of... End the uh, message here. I don't even know if it's going to be the end message. I don't know. We'll see. But Colossians, I didn't put this scripture up here, but if you have your Bibles, this is also a really good uh, scripture to turn to. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. The Bible says, since you have been raised, right? We're talking about baptism going under. Since you have been raised to, to what? To new life. Since you've been raised to new life, So put to death the sinful, earthly things working within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when when you were still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've been stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked needs or deeds. Listen here, like I said with the jersey, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Democrat or Republican, (laughs) black or white, Hispanic or... European or wherever, right? We sang about it this morning. Every generation, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. I could keep reading what the Apostle Paul preached for us, but 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 the point is this. He says, so that you because you've been raised to new life, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. And what I want to end with this morning is this, is that you are a son or a daughter of God. And because you have been born, you have been raised up into new life. You have been born again. You have been created a new creation. God doesn't just create you anew so that you might just sit around and do nothing. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that God's purpose, excuse me, wait, hold on, Wrong verse, This is very embarrassing. That God created us anew. His workmanship, created us anew for good works in Christ Jesus. It's Ephesians chapter 2. It's somewhere in there. I'll, I'll, I'll get it later. But He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we might do good works. And the last thing I want to talk about this morning is that He raises us to new life, gives us a new identity so that we have a new purpose. So that we have a new purpose. Why are we here? You ever wonder that? You ever sit around and say, why am I here? Why am I on this earth? Why was I ever born? If you ask that question, you're not alone. It talks about it in the Bible. You know, they, they talk about uh, in Ecclesiastes, you know how it's, it's better off if I'd never even been born. Um, we ask ourselves that question, right? What is our purpose? Why are we even alive? And the great thing about our, our lives is this, is that to be honest with you guys, if somebody is not, and, and this is not just Walker's business, this is the Bible, but if, if, if somebody is not living in Christ, then they really have no purpose in life. I mean, they might have like lowercase p purposes, like my purpose is to take care of my family or my purpose is to provide, my purpose is to work my job and, you know, and to make some money and help other people. Like those are, those are great things to do, but those are what I would call like lowercase p purposes. Like, like they're futile. They're things that will shift and fade. But, but whenever we are raised to new life in God, we get a capital P, purpose, meaning it is a purpose that is given to us by God Almighty. It is something that, that, is, that is given to us, that is put on us, that we now have something to live for. We now have something to live for. And what is that? That is to go and to, to spread this message to the world, to give the good news. To live and to walk with Him daily. That's what it is. To live and walk with Him daily. I have a new purpose now. My purpose is to live and to glorify God. To give Him thanks in everything I do. And to walk with Him daily. To walk with Him daily. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Is to walk with Him in love. And to, to, to be close to Him. I mean, I don't know about you all, but I could not live life without the Lord. And without being close to him, and that's what our purpose is: is to grow close to him and to walk with him. And so, this morning, this was just a good old-fashioned gospel message. We we want to sometimes in church, people want to get cute with things, you know, and it's always good to be creative and things like that, but we can't ever stray too far from the truth. You know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was a sinner, but now I put my faith and my trust in Jesus, and He has redeemed me. He has restored me. He has good things for me. He has a plan for me. He has a purpose for me. He has an identity for me. I am a child of God. I have new purpose. I have new purpose in my life. I have a direction. I have a way that that I can live and I can go. And so if you're in here this morning, and maybe the enemy has been whispering some of the things, maybe you've never placed your faith in Christ before. Or maybe you have, and you still feel a little bit of that condemnation. I believe that God wants to draw us close this morning. Amen? I believe that God wants to draw us close. We're getting ready to enter into a time of communion here in just a moment. And when we do, what does the communion represent? It represents the body and the blood of Jesus. It represents the one who died, but is alive forevermore. That's what it represents. And that's what happens when we are baptized and raised into new life. We are raised into his life, into his life. That's what we are, are baptized into. So I, uh, I had my scriptures here and it's going all over the place. I hope, I hope that, uh, that, that, that all made sense. But I believe, that, I believe that God wants to draw us close. And I believe that God wants to do some, some work in our hearts. And so we're going to turn to a time of communion. I'm going to ask if, um, if uh, Bradley and uh, Oscar, will you help him pass out the communion um, we're gonna we're gonna go into this time of community.